Welcome to the Hardwood Hogs podcast. I'm your host, Mason Choate. I'm joined by Jackson Collier. And Arkansas basketball, is it's back. And so here's the thing. Nick Smith Jr. is back. Arkansas is playing at an incredible level. But you also have to factor in the fact that they just played Florida and Georgia, two of uh, two teams that are struggling. Georgia, uh, Florida, a team without their best player, and Georgia, a team that lost a couple of games to Arkansas and Alabama in a row by like two hundred points combined. So uh, that that is something that you have to take into consideration. But you also have to look and say, Nick Smith Jr. is back for this Arkansas team. He's playing or at least against Georgia, he played to the level that you're expecting from Nick Smith Jr. And Jackson, you put out a story on hogbeat.com today on Thursday saying Arkansas is like primed to make a postseason run with Nick Smith Jr. playing at this level. So let's just uh, let's talk about that Georgia game, man. 26 points. I mean, we're going to get into a lot. We're going to get into a lot. There's a lot of talk about Arkansas plays Alabama. Uh, Arkansas's metrics, stats, Nick Smith Jr. Like, we got a ton to talk about, but let's just talk about his performance against Georgia. It, it was just a really good performance. I mean, that was what he was kind of gearing up towards, and you saw it in the Florida game. You know, he was taking the same shots. He was hitting that floater a little bit. He was drawing and one, those two and ones against Florida, finished with just 10 points, but he got back in the swing of things. You know, he got in the double-digit scoring column. And, you know, he let the game come to him a little bit. He was four for 12 against Florida. No big deal. Not a bad stat sheet or whatever. And then he comes and plays against Georgia. Second game in a row in the starting lineup. I mean, right off the bat, made a difference. And, you know, anytime I've, I've said this multiple times, I'll keep saying it. Anytime you have a player with that level of talent, a potential lottery draft pick, you know, five-star prospect, McDonald's All-American, you're going to take the risk of of implementing him back into the rotation. Took a couple games against A&M Mississippi State. He's fully back in the rotation now. We've seen some roles change. We've seen some, you know, stats change from when he was gone. But, you know, he adds such a different element. Against Georgia – and Florida both, but mainly primarily against Georgia. He was knocking down open threes that helped space the floor. Um, He was handling the ball as a primary ball handler, point guard, whatever you want to call it, and really adding a change of pace element to the game. When he was off ball, which must ran him at all three different guard spots, he was either primary ball, secondary ball, or he was off ball like in the corner. Um, When he was off ball, he was constantly moving, making the defense chase him around because he is such a good three-point shooter. And that kept the defense on their toes. It made them run around, tired them out a little bit. But also, it helped the the defense stay spaced out. So you had driving lanes for Ricky Council, driving lanes for Anthony Black. And and it just really works to everybody's benefit. Well, I think the way that he played with such confidence and poise, um, he was taking shots, you know, against – uh, Florida, he didn't have the greatest shooting night. He didn't shoot well against Mississippi State, and uh, and I think only shot one time on the road at A&M. So, you know, he hadn't gotten a lot of game reps in as far as shooting the ball. And he was completely confident. He kept taking the shots. He even said in the post-game press conference, said, you know, I'm going to keep taking those shots. It's it's working on my craft away from, from these games. Like, I know I can hit those shots. And he did that against Georgia. Five for eight from beyond the arc, incredible performance, 26 points. I think all of that combined really sets Arkansas up 
to make a run. Plenty of other information in the article that I wrote that's on hogbeat.com, including a bunch of comparative analysis between off adjusted offensive efficiency stats uh, with Nick Smith versus without, and just general team shooting stats with and without him. On the floor, Nick Smith makes, or when he starts, when he plays, when he's on the floor, the team, not just his shooting percentage, but the team shooting percentages are drastically improved. So just one thing to think about among a lot of other things as to why he is playing so well and why the team is looking so good right now. Well, I mean, and you hit on it there talking about, you know, how when you have a guy like Nick Smith Jr. on the court, he, you know, he makes your defense focus on him. And then that opens up stuff for everybody else on the court. You look at Arkansas, why were they struggling a lot? Because they didn't have a guy like Nick Smith Jr. to, you know, draw that attention. Yes, Ricky Council, you know, he's good. Devo Davis was playing well offensively, but Devo Davis has scored, what, four points over the last two games? And those are two games that Arkansas won convincingly, like big-time wins over Florida and Georgia. So, you know, yes, having Nick Smith Jr., I mean, it was just – it, it, you got a different Eric Musselman after the Georgia game. He was a very happy camper, and he was talking – like he was asked, you know, what's it like having Nick back? You know, how does that help your offense? And he was like, well, we have a guy who can shoot the ball. Like he's a scoring threat, and he draws attention away from the defense. So it helps us because we're able to spread things out. And, you know, that's great for Arkansas, and it only makes them an even more dangerous team moving forward. So – this three-game stretch here, you got at Alabama, at Tennessee, and Kentucky at home. I think – so after the A&M game, when Arkansas lost a game, that the, it really should have won that game. After that game, you know, you were we were sitting here talking on the podcast, you know, writing stories like, ah, what's this Arkansas team going to look like? You know, you get wins over Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky, and you're probably going to be fine as far as postseason play goes. But now you're looking at it, and – You've got an Alabama team that had to win on the road with one shot at the end of the game against South Carolina. And then you got a Tennessee team that has really struggled here in the second half of conference play. And so now you're looking at it, and if Arkansas wins these last three games, which is going to be very difficult. I'm not sitting here and saying, like, you know, it's this is what's going to happen. It's going to be very difficult. They're going to have to play at a very high level of basketball to do that. I mean, what do you think, Jackson? Like, where are they sitting if, if they do that? Or maybe say they take one of the two road games and then win against Kentucky at home. Like, do you think that that moves them up? Because what do you have them as right now as, as far as seeding in your uh, bracketology? So right now I have them on the 7-8 line. I think I had them Sunday. I had them as the third 7 seed. And I haven't really looked – all too closely at the movement among that line. So probably still have them on the seven line. And when I look at other respected bracketologists that I trust, you know, like Lucas Harkins and uh, Rocco Miller and some other guys, you know, they, they're pretty much along those lines around seven, eight. Some people have them on the nine line, but pretty much right there. And the, the, the tournament is where the field is really weird this year. Seeding the the seven through 11 seeds is all is pretty difficult this year because it's not necessarily the bubble. These teams are pretty safely in the tournament, but they're not really setting themselves apart from each other with quality wins or anything like that. And then it comes down to metrics and Arkansas's metrics are really, really good. If you manage to split the road games, and I think realistically, 
Arkansas can go into Knoxville and beat Tennessee, and I think they can hold home court against Kentucky. You go two and one down this stretch with those two wins, um, that boosts your strength of record, um, which is probably their or is their weakest metric currently. Um, and it's, I mean, strength of record is an important metric. Um, right now, Arkansas is 37th in strength of record. Not bad, but as far as determining seeding, needs to be a little bit higher. Everything else is top 15. Um, 15th in KPI, which is another uh, algorithm that uh, considers how strong the resume is. They're 15th in net, 13th in BPI, 15th in Ken Palm, 15th in Sagarin. All the metrics are really, really impressive. Um, if they go two and one, they beat Tennessee, they beat Kentucky. That strength of record or strength of record increases, goes up probably top 25. I would wager that they would be on the six line safely and potentially pushing the five line, depending on, you know, what happens with other teams and how they do in the SEC tournament. Uh, particularly, you know, the, the Tennessee game, if they do sneak a win against Tennessee, that'd be a quad one, a win, which I'm not sure how everybody is familiar, how familiar they are with the quads. There's a quadrant system that determines net. Uh, NCAA tournament selection committee looks at the quadrants. It's based on net. It's different between home games, road games, and neutral sites. I have a question. Uh, quad. Do you what? said you said quad one A. Yes. What is there's like is there like an A and a B? So a general so quad one A is a very 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 strong win. That's like a win over a top 15 net opponent at home. And whereas a quad one, a or a quad one win in general is like top 30 net win at home. So why don't they have that like on the net page? I do not know. Um, but uh, what I do, uh, that helps me with my bracketology and it helps me just, uh, just any, anytime I'm trying to weigh how good a team is, uh, barttorvik.com b-a-r-t-t-o-r-v-i-k.com you can go up to the funalytics tab go down to team sheet ranks and it has all the current quad records along with all of the metrics and it'll show you what each team's quad 1a record is and then goes individually by that right now arkansas is two and five in quad 1a games two quad 1a wins it's pretty solid. Tennessee would be a third. That would be a pretty defining characteristic of their resume if they can sneak that in. So what is the what is the most important metric? Is it net? I, I feel like to the general public, that is what has been perceived as. But maybe to you, what is it? So it's kind of difficult because, you know, when you look at the, the the NCAA tournament selection committee released their top 16 a week ago. And when they did that, um, it kind of threw some things out the window that a lot of bracketologists have done for years. It was kind of, I don't know if it was a new committee or or what, but they, they seem to kind of emphasize uh, quad one, quad one, a wins quad one and quad two record um, net and road wins. Um I mean, they obviously factor in quality of resume, too, pretty heavily. Um, that's always kind of been a thing. But I think those all kind of are the most important ones. And strength of record kind of plays into that because, obviously, the more quad 1A uh, wins, the more quad 1 wins you have, the better quality of record you're going to have. Um, so 
I think that's probably the most important right now is kind of a culmination of those things. Okay, so you talked about the Kentucky game and the Tennessee game being potential wins, but the game up next is Alabama. And, uh, I mean, it's the number two team in the nation. Very talented team. A lot of drama surrounding that team uh, that we're not going to speculate on. I'm sure most people listening to this podcast know um, or have heard the situation going on with Alabama and star freshman Brandon Miller. Uh, as far as as far as we know, he played against South Carolina on Wednesday night. And as of now, we would expect that he's going to play against Arkansas. So as far as everything else, that is for people who are paid to do law stuff, which is eventually going to be you, Jackson, uh, to figure out. So, I mean, like if any, if any podcast, if any sports podcast had somebody that could talk about this, it would probably be you. But uh, as the, uh, I guess the boss in this situation, I've made the decision that we're not going to talk about it. So, but it, I mean, it's a, it's going to be a tough game. We know Alabama. I mean, they came into uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas was within two points. And then, I mean, it was Brandon Miller who just, I mean, basically shut it down. They went on like a nine point run in the span of about 45 seconds or something like that. And it was just, I mean, took the air out of Bud Walton arena. Bama ended up, taking out Arkansas pretty convincingly. But things are different right now. You look at it, Bama just a very close win. I mean, it took a Brandon Miller shot at the end of overtime to beat South Carolina. And Arkansas, you know, rolling against two, you know, lower-tier uh, teams in the SEC, Florida and Georgia. But they got the confidence they needed, and they have the player that they needed back. So um, I noticed that you you talked about the Kentucky and Tennessee games like these are two winnable games, and you didn't even mention Alabama. So, are you just where are you at with this one? Oh, I just knew that we were going to have a whole dedicated segment on it. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's, okay. <laughs> I I didn't know if you decided not to mention it because you're just like it's let's just it's going to be a loss, or if you were okay, it makes sense. No, I, I do think the, the Tennessee and Kentucky games are the two more winnable games. I still think Alabama is a winnable game because I think Arkansas is a team where when you have Eric Musselman, we have the talent that this roster has. If they show up and they put all the pieces together, they can beat pretty much anybody on any given night. I mean, they almost went into Baylor and beat beat the Bears in Waco without Nick Smith just a few weeks ago. And Baylor is one of the top teams in college basketball right now. They're one of the top seeds, uh, at least looking to be one of the top seeds, I think on the two or three line right now in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, Alabama is probably better than Baylor. Um, They're number two in the country right now. They've won a lot of games. They're very good. They probably have the best freshman in college basketball on their roster. But, you know, when you look at all of that, Arkansas played Alabama tough. Granted, it was at home. For 37 minutes without Nick Smith, um, Devontae Davis for 37 minutes pretty much shut down Brandon Miller. Um, he didn't do much until he, he he hit that one shot and got it all going and really spaced out the, the lead, stretched out the lead. So I'm interested to see how that game goes just generally um, with Nick Smith in the lineup. I'm interested to see who Alabama puts on Smith, how they defend it. Like there's not a ton of film right now on Nick Smith back in this lineup. Arkansas, I mentioned it earlier, Arkansas has completely changed um, some of their roles and rotations uh, with him coming back compared to when Arkansas and Alabama played last time. 
last time Ricky Council was starting, and Devontae Davis was a go-to scorer. You already mentioned Devontae Davis has scored four points over the last two games. Ricky Council's coming off the bench. They even inserted Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham got consistent minutes in back-to-back games. He scored eight points against Georgia, uh, which was quieter than his 26-point career high against Florida. But still, he he's in the rotation now, too. So you got to look at all these things. This Arkansas team is completely different from when they played Alabama in Fayetteville. It's going to be a tough contest on the road. That crowd is going to be rowdy because I think there's a legitimate kind of budding hatred between the fan bases. Um, at least a lot of talk on Twitter about Super Bowls and whatnot. Um, it's an interesting uh, topic, but um, it, it'll be fun. I think it'll be a great game. I really do. Um, it, it, I do think it's winnable. I mean, Arkansas is playing on a different level. You can say as much as you want about the level of competition and the last two games being at home. You do need to be tested on the road. You do need to carry it over to the road. But may, maybe I'm looking through, you know, some hog-colored glasses. But, man, the way that the team looked, it wasn't just that they looked good at home. They looked good beating inferior opponents. But they beat conference opponents by nearly 30 points. That is impressive, regardless of who it is. Like, you're you're in a high-major college basketball conference. You don't just whoop up on teams like that that often. Like, it's – it's it's impressive the efficiency well, was remarkable um yeah i mean you and you can just watch the game and see that they're playing with really good chemistry the ball movement's really good um spacing's a lot better the shooting's a lot better everything is a lot better recently hopefully that carries over against better competition too i personally think it will um and hopefully arkansas can close out the year winning two of three yeah no i i look at it and you you kind of touched on the lineup you know, there and I you look at it, it's 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 classic Eric Musselman, man. We're here, you know, last three games of the season on deck, and he has the rotation figured out. It's like this happens every year. The beginning of conference play, it's like this team has no identity. What what even is the lineup? They need to figure out who their guys are. And here you are, they've narrowed it down to seven, eight guys <clears throat> that they're working in consistently. And that's it. It's the Eric Musselman way. We're going to play seven guys, have an eighth that's going to add some minutes as well. And that's how it's going to go. And, you know, you got the starting five of Walsh, Mitchell, Black, Smith, and Davis. That's been your starting five these past two games. I think it's probably going to be your starting five moving forward. Ricky Council off the bench. I I feel like – I don't remember what game it was, but there was a game earlier in the year where Ricky Council came off the bench – and we were all like, okay, well, this dude was sixth man of the year last year in the AAC for Wichita State. Why don't they just bring him off the bench? But then you have, you know, the injury to Nick Smith Jr., the injury to Trevor Brazil, and it's like you have to start him. You can't bring that guy off the bench. Now you can. And I think he's more comfortable that way. Or maybe he's not more comfortable, but I think that the role works. And Anthony Black said it after the game. He was like, when you can have a guy like that come off the bench, that's huge because you don't want to have a drop off. You know, like when when you when your start when a starter goes out, you don't want to have a significant drop off to the next guy. And Arkansas doesn't have that when Ricky Council comes in. You mentioned Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham's part of that seven man rotation now. And then you round it out with Makai Mitchell or Mikel Mitchell, excuse me. And that's your eight right there. Mikel Mitchell, Makai Mitchell, 
Walsh, Davis, Council, Smith, Black. I mean, that's I think that's a winning a winning group right there. And uh maybe even throw Lawson Blake in there, you know? He had a great <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Lawson Blake and the flex was sick, but um yeah, no, I, I think that this is just it's vintage Eric Musselman. He's got it figured out at the right time. He got a tough stretch here, but I don't know, man. I think that they're primed for another postseason run, to be quite honest with you. I, I I feel like we all knew this, too. Like, we all just knew in the back of our head that this was going to happen, especially if Nick Smith came back. That was the big question is, like, is this guy going to come back? Now that he's back, there, I think there is no question. And adding to your point about Ricky Council, I think part of it is with him coming off the bench, there's no pressure for him to score right off the bat. Like, obviously, he's a really gifted scorer, fantastic basketball player, but – it's completely different dynamic when you have him and Devo as your go-to scorers and they're both in the starting lineup. And, you know, Arkansas was kind of prone to some slow starts for a stretch. You know, I think both of those guys, but particularly council were kind of stressing out over having to produce right away, right out of the gate against uh, certain opponents and games and stuff like that. Um, now you bring him in off the bench and you have Nick Smith in the rotation. It's like either, oh, well, they're already scoring. I can just help maintain that. Or, oh, they're not scoring right now. Well, here I come. Like, I'll I'll just add to it. Like, I think that's a big thing is just not feeling as pressured, uh, Ricky, personally, to come out and score immediately out of the gates in the starting lineup. And also, uh, I love, love, love this front court rota- rotation, adding Jalen Graham to it, still rotating Makai and Mikel in. I mean, it's – I love it. <laughs> I mean – we're big guys on the twins. Like we've been fans for a while. They're really good interior on defense. That, uh, hold on, hold on. We're not fans. We just enjoy watching them play. We are objective reporters, Jackson. That's fair. I meant I was fan. I was a fan of their basketball brand, their type of play. Okay. Well, you you enjoy watching them play. I I enjoy watching the Mitchell twins play basketball. I think they are fantastic on interior defense and have really good post moves. I did not go to the strategic school of media and journalism for, uh, for nothing, Jackson. So I did not have a journalism degree at all. Yeah, no, well, that's fine. That's why uh, you are my attorney when I need you. So even when you don't seek my advice. I should have done that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Okay. Yeah, no, I, I like the lineup. I think they've got it figured out. This is what you're going to go with moving forward, and I think it's going to work out. Uh, You got these last three games. We talked about it. And then you go SEC tournament, NCAA tournament. I think that they're sitting in a good spot. I mean, Nick Smith Jr., the way he performed against Georgia, dude, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he does. You think he could have like a 30-point game in the NCAA tournament? I think there's no question. I think he could, especially like if it comes down to it, if Arkansas ends up making a run to like the Sweet 16 again and it's a tough matchup in the Sweet 16 and, you know, it's a good defensive team, something like that, which most teams in the NCAA tournament are pretty good offensively and or defensively, um, which I'll have an article coming out about that soon, so keep your eyes uh open for that but um 
I think Nick Smith is going to be leaned on to create offense. And I think there's going to be a game where he's just unconscious and he's just, he's getting and ones left and right. And he's hitting five out of eight threes again. Like he has the, the scores mindset and the confidence where, you know, similar to JD Note, I think he's a more skilled version, a taller, more skilled version of JD Note as far as the scoring mindset goes, where he's, if he really wants to and he's feeling it, he'll pull from anywhere. And he'll attack the rim anytime he wants to because why not? Yeah, no, I the the Nick Smith thing. I mean, his five threes against Georgia was huge. The one thing that I, you know, I'm thinking about is, and we kind of talked about it when we started the episode was Florida and Georgia, two you know lesser teams. You know, Arkansas was more talented than those teams. They were playing on their home court, so now you go to two teams in Alabama and Tennessee and it's this is going to be the test this is going to prove like where does Arkansas stand with with a healthy Nick Smith Jr who you know has four games under his belt since coming back from an injury they've got you know that chemistry that they were looking for and is it was it a thing of they are playing two you know teams in Florida and Georgia that just really aren't as good as Arkansas or was it really that Arkansas was playing at that high of a level of basketball, which I think they are, but now you're going to go and prove it on the road against two of the top two top 10 teams in the country. And then of course you come back and play uh, Kentucky. So I'm just excited to watch it and see how it plays out. You know, for a minute there, I had already moved on to baseball season and uh, which it is baseball season. And I like Arkansas baseball. I like watching Arkansas baseball, but the Georgia game brought me back. I was like, okay, this is this is this is fun to watch. I can do this for a little bit longer. So, uh, I'm right back, I, and I think the fan base is as well. So, that and we all knew that was coming, Jackson. That's the thing. That's the. I think now that we've seen this happen three years in a row with Eric Musselman, let's all just go ahead and mark it down from like January fourth to February fifteenth. It's just going to be a struggle, and then from then you know that you're going to get it figured out, you know, barring anything crazy happening. Can we just like say that, you know, that's how it's going to go? Cause I mean, that's how, that's what history says, right? Potentially. I mean, it also depends, you know, every, every year will be different. Um, you have different reasons for why each year has gone slow. I think this year would have been strong throughout. I don't think there would have been a lull had there not been injuries to the two pillars of the team, the two guys the team was built around. Um, but, you know, that's part of the game. That's part of the reason, uh, you know, you play the game, you have a good coach who can make adjustments. And, you know, I've said many times, that's one of the more difficult things you can do is right before conference play, losing both uh, of your best players um, and most versatile players. Um, completely retooling how you attack defenses, adjusting roles, all that sort of stuff. So I think this year was completely different compared to the previous two. Um, so we'll we'll see uh, as far as the future goes. Hopefully it's not an every year thing, but I think it restores fans' hopes that like, oh, well, if anything ever goes sideways, well, you know, we'll always get back on track now. But um, I don't know. I, hopefully moving forward, uh, fans don't have to worry about a lull every single year. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, I get what you're saying, but also it's like a thing of this coaching staff is consistently, like, digging and trying to figure out ways to fix whatever is going wrong. 
I thought it was very interesting after the Georgia game when Eric Musselman said that they were reaching out to WNBA coaches, like anybody that they could, you know, talk to to figure out how to, you know, score against the zone defense. And sure enough, they've figured it out. And they, it's just like all these little weird analytical things and reaching out to connections and sources and figuring all this stuff out. Like they are consistently working. They're watching film with the guys. And I mean, that's why you see that he's built such a successful program in Arkansas. So, and I loved that move reaching out to WNBA coaches because some of the best basketball minds in the world are involved in women's basketball. Uh, That is honestly, because, you know, this might be a hot take. You look at the NBA, you look at men's college basketball, they're obviously really good and gifted basketball players, but they're also just really, really good athletes, have a lot of great size, can do a lot of things with their athleticism and stuff. Not to say that female basketball players or female athletes aren't athletic, but I think women's basketball at a high level in the WNBA and college basketball is one of the more pure forms of basketball uh, where, you know, your fundamentals are completely sound. You're playing really good good basketball as a whole so thought that was a really good move especially to attack a zone so kudos to him and uh yeah all right well i think we've covered it all and uh big game on saturday against alabama one o'clock espn2 at alabama of course we're probably honestly like who knows what the heck's gonna happen with them with Alabama between the time that you're listening to this podcast and, but, and, and the game, you know, like stuff, stuff has been coming out. We don't know what's true, uh, what's not true. So like I said, we're not going to speculate on that, but Arkansas plays Alabama on Saturday, one o'clock ESPN two hogs are hot. Jackson. They're hot. You got a phone call? No. What was that then? No, I was just doing the surf up. Um, I don't know. Yeah, well, you ruined the vibe. All right. Did I ruin the vibe, or did yeah. you ruin the vibe by bringing up baseball a couple minutes ago? I didn't ruin the. I I did not go listen to the Diamond Hogs podcast. Um, oh come on! Don't don't do that on this podcast. We're now. all on the same team here. <laughs> so it uh, well, I will say the Diamond Hogs podcast is elite though. Just, it, I will give you credit and Robert credit and the whole team credit. Diamond Hogs podcast is pretty fantastic. It's the best baseball podcast dealing with Razorback baseball that has ever been created and ever will be created. Um, that, is my, that is my completely unbiased opinion um, as someone who watches a ton of baseball. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. And this is the best Razorback basketball podcast out there. That is unbiased as well. Uh, anyways... We're going to let everybody get on their way, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Make sure you go to hogbeat.com. Oh, we need to talk about our sponsors real quick. Oh, that would have been bad if we didn't shout out the sponsors. <laughs> slacking. Bet, You're slacking. Bet Saracen. Uh, love Bet Saracen. We went 2-0 and on our picks for the Georgia game. It's because it's just – we just know basketball at hogbeat.com. We went Hogs are we went 2-0 and on our picks. Go to Bet Saracen. It is the mobile sports gambling app for the Saracen Casino Resort. Download it on the Google Play Store or the App Store. They always have a bunch of good stuff over there, including specials. They have the special bets, so you can only get these in Arkansas. You can only get them on Bet Saracen. They have a lot of cool different options where they're just parlaying stuff and boosting the odds for Arkansas games. 
And then you can also get the player props, the odds, everything you want over at Bet Saracen for Arkansas games. And then, of course, they have plenty of plenty of other options for uh, betters with all different sports and all that good stuff. So go to Bet Saracen and uh, get your bets in, make some money. They are the number one mobile sports gambling app in the state of Arkansas. And I want to remind you about MyPerfectFranchise.net. They are a proud sponsor of Hogbeat.com and the Hardwood Hogs podcast. They've been a sponsor with us for a while now. I really appreciate their business. And uh, if you are trying to be a franchise owner, you need to go to MyPerfectFranchise.com or .net, excuse me. It is a great way to make some money and to diversify your portfolio and become an entrepreneur. Andy Ledecky, longtime Rivals member. He's been in this business for a while. He's a franchise veteran. He's owned multiple franchises. And he has a thorough and free consultation process where he'll walk you through it, help you figure it out, and make some extra money. So it's 100% free. You don't have anything to lose. Give him a call. It's 404-973-9901. Visit MyPerfectFranchise.net or call Andy Ledecky to put your life and career in your own hands. All right. Talk to everybody next week. Go to hogbeat.com. All right. See you.